to that number right there on your screen. Also, if you're not new, this is a useful tool to just communicate with the ministry staff here and let us know um, what's going on or how we can be praying or, hey, I'd like to meet, but I don't know Jim's phone number. Uh, if you need Jim's phone number, just find me. I will give it out like candy. <laughs> he gives it out like candy. 405-269-2193. There you go. So, Jim, yes. what's the first thing we want to talk about? So, uh, obviously, with everything with COVID uh, in 2020, and then it just kind of kept went a lot longer than we thought it would, uh, there was just a lot of disconnection that happened in a number of different ways. And we're excited, even though we're continuing to pray for news that we are hearing, not only here uh, in, in, in America, but around the world. So let's not just think that just because things are going well here, um, that we don't need to continue to invite the Lord's hand and continue to pray, especially for uh, ministries that are happening all around the world in which they are still dealing with it. But um, as we uh, get ready for this fall, really wanting to make sure that we are on the same page in terms of what does it mean to actually be the church. A little bit of an opportunity to refocus and to reconnect. And so one of the things that we actually decided to do um, was a special podcast. So if, I don't know if you follow our Consider This podcast, but we did one just this past week, just outlining what we're going to be doing this fall, so a lot more information than what you're going to get in, in this announcement, but basically a way for you to hear about uh, a number of different events and things that are going to be happening this fall to help us remember, to be reminded of what the Bible teaches in terms of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and part of his church. Yep. By the way, if you are looking for this podcast and you've never found it before and you type in Consider This, there is like an NPR version of that. They came way after us. We take all the credit for it. So if you type in Consider This Sunnybrook, we should come up. And if you want to listen to the NPR thing, that's your choice. Okay, next, this is our sermon series that we're going to start this fall, beginning on the 15th. Uh, it's, it's, we got real clever with the title, just the church. And what we're going to be doing in this series is, what, seven weeks? Seven weeks. Seven weeks long. We're going to be picking up the, the imagery that the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, particularly Jesus, likes to use to describe the church and then ask ourselves, what are those implications for us today? When, when the church is described as a flock or as a bride or as the body of Christ, what, what do we do with that and how does that color how we do life together here in Stillwater? That begins on the 15th. So not only instructional, but also inspirational. Uh, there's going to be a number of extra little events that we're going to be doing kind of around the edges. So family camp kind of kicks all of this off. Be the Church is the series. We'll have the dedication for the children's building on August 15th. Um, Wednesday night's going to be kicking off on August 25th. We've got the Sportsman Banquet. We've got another Sunnybrook 101 class that's going to be happening. And then we're going to have another one of our special baptismal nights on a Wednesday night. And so if you are considering that part of your step uh, in terms of being obedient to what Jesus Christ teaches, uh, we're going to begin to have many, many, many of those conversations with people who do not know Christ and are ready to accept Christ and be united with him, or maybe others who, um, I, we run into this all the time, people saying, you know, that's something I just never did. We would love to have that conversation with you. So those are a number of things, and a few other, actually. Um, uh, we're we're going to be doing, uh, we're trying to figure out if we would do another Help Build Hope home this fall, um, but it looks like that's not going to happen, but we've got something else that we're going to be doing as a church to help uh, a church in another part of the world, and uh, that should be finalized this next week, and we'll share that uh, next Sunday. Yep. Finally, uh, you may have received one of these little informational cards on the way in, but let me just make it clear what we're, what we're trying to do. This is not a request that we all dedicate three hours in, on Saturday mornings every Saturday in August to do this, but we think that we have our membership class, which is how we, we help 
new people really acclimate and, and look what it, what it means to, to join the Sunnybrook family. This is not that. This is more of we've spent a lot of time apart from one another over the past year, year and a half. And uh, I, I can think of, I was just, I was just sharing with the Dilworths actually, I can think of 20, 30 new families that have come in the middle of that time that many of you probably hadn't had an opportunity to meet. So the Be the Church kind of seminars that we're having on Saturday mornings, are, it's a family meeting, family conversations. We're going to talk a lot about what does it look like to do family best um, under the, the, the authority of Scripture and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I pray that, that you will find uh, one of these Saturdays in August that works well for you. We will have childcare available. We'll have, um, I think, coffee and refreshments and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're, we're going to be having this in the gym. And for the sake of preparing childcare and, and refreshments, we, we would, it would be helpful if you'd register. We're not going to turn you away, but it would be helpful if you'd register. And the easiest way to do that would be to text the word member to that phone number right there. And then you can pick which of those Saturdays would work best for you. Anything else on that? No, please consider this because not only will you have an opportunity uh, to be uh, in, in some level instructed and hopefully inspired and encouraged, but uh, one of the things that really is a blessing during these times is just the conversations that happen in around the edges and at the tables. So you will have an opportunity to meet with a number of other people that maybe you don't ordinarily congregate with. So, yep. But without further ado, let us turn our attention to the scriptures we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, primarily, and and then we'll have a a reading from Colossians 1 as well, but Matthew 6, perhaps some of the most famous words in the New Testament, beginning in verse 9, therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the second reading from Colossians chapter 1. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and had transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you know this, and I want to say I was in seminary when I realized it. Almost every one of Paul's letters begins with a prayer. After he says, I, Paul, a servant, or I, Paul, an apostle, or I, Paul, a bondservant, he then sends his kind of his general greetings, and then he stops and he begins to describe to the people that he's trying to instruct and teach, this is how I pray for you. This is what I do. Every time I go before the Father, these are the things that I 
pray for, one of the things that I found to be so interesting is that as you look at the prayers of the Apostle Paul, it really does kind of instruct the rest of the book. Um, you wouldn't be, uh, you'd be able to figure out almost by reading the prayer which book it's talking about. It's talking about divisions and spiritual gifts. Oh, that's the letter to the, to the Corinthian church. He's talking about just all that they have in Christ Jesus and the hope that they have in Christ Jesus. And he repeats this over and over and over again in his prayer. And you're like, oh, that's to the Ephesian church. The Apostle Paul doesn't just want to pray for his church. He wants to hear, he wants the church that he's praying for to hear him pray. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn about prayer. And like any language, it's a language that can be um, takes time and effort. Um, they, they, they've said, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but you've probably heard this said, right? The younger you are, the easier it is to learn a language. It's why I was a little frustrated, um, although I never figured out until later on in life, my father being French, um, not that I have a lot of use for French in Stillwater, Oklahoma, um, but I, I kind of wish that I had learned it. And when people hear that my dad is French, they all say, oh, did he teach you? And I just go, no. I'm just this one language guy, just me. It's interesting that listening to my, um, my granddaughter Heidi speak, and when you are growing up in one, kind of completely surrounded by one language, Polish, and then you have parents that speak English, it's taking her a while to learn to speak. She's finally picking it up, she's about three years old, and she will quickly master two languages, but it's a bit, a bit, of, a, a bit of a tough, tough, tough road ahead. Um, there are times that she'll say things, and I'll say to Mackenzie, what language is she speaking? And uh, he'll just say, three-year-old. It's kind of a mix. By the way, I think almost all two-year-olds speak a mixture of Polish and, uh, and, uh, and English. She's just trying to learn, and she's learning by listening. Learning by listening. I, I wish it was that easy, though, <clears throat> because there are other things that get in our way when we talk about prayer. Uh, we come with a host of uh, preconceived ideas, of biases, of hindrances. I heard a sermon on prayer that I'll never forget. It was being given by my mentor, J.K. is his name, and J.K. was a former military policeman. He's one of those guys that when you look at him and he says, I used to be a military cop, you go, oh yeah, no, no, I see that, you know? Real strong presence, quiet voice. He now is a, um, like a spiritual director of spiritual formation, and he, you look at him and you go, no, I can see that too. But he was telling the story about a time in which he was uh, a pastor, he had had a call to ministry, and he was doing his pastoring, and he came across an accident, a traffic accident. And, and the people that were there that needed to help with the medical emergency type stuff, they had everything taken care of, but... It just looked like some additional organization was necessary, and so J.K. jumped in, and he just began to tell people what to do. Just get over here, pull, pull your things over here, get over here. Uh, you guys line up over here, please stay out of the way over here. He said he just kept doing this. It was just a natural thing. And then all of a sudden, someone walked up and said, um, excuse me, I'm a pastor. Do you mind if I just pray? And that was when J.K. realized I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even thought about praying. When I was sitting there and listening to that, I thought to myself, dude, give yourself some slack. <laughs> like there are times when, um, I, I get it, I get it. 
prayer is important, right? We all say that. Prayer is important. But when you come on a scene of an accident, there are things that are more important, right? How many of you were thinking that as I was telling the story? Cutting him some slack. And, and I remember the, the next part of it, he wasn't saying that he was a terrible person. He just said, I was shocked at just how late it was in that whole episode before I ever even considered prayer. And that was convicting to me. Because I'm, I'm much better at worrying than praying. And I'm much better at talking to you than talking to him about you. It's easy for me to get frustrated and not pray. And so it just helps me think that there must be something. It's not just a language that needs to be learned, but a, a way of looking at God and a way of looking at the world, a way of looking at my relationship with God that leads me into an automatic, um, a spontaneous response when life is happening to pray. More recently, um, we all have been praying a lot for our good friend Randy Blake and his family, haven't we? And I've had a number of people reach out to me and say, hey, and here's how, here's how, here's how you said it to me. You said it like this. Is there anything that we can do to help Randy and Jen, you know, besides praying? And I get what you're saying. I've, I've asked the exact same thing to them. I get it. And here's my point. It's not that we forgot to pray or that we don't even think prayer is important. But the one thing I've learned over this past year, and actually when I say learned, I was reminded of, is that sometimes all you can do is pray. I would sometimes just say, well, yeah, like if you can figure out a way to reverse all the damage that's been done to Randy, that'd be awesome. And they'd say, well, you know, I can't do that. And I'd say, no, I know. So why don't we pray? Those two things are very interesting. Sometimes prayer is one of the last things that we think about. We're quick to do so many other things first. And the second thing is sometimes we are just so helpless all we can do is pray, and I guess I want us in that moment to realize is that we're not just praying. We're not just praying. There is something profound that is happening. There is something miraculous that is happening. There is something for those of us that believe in God and believe that we can be then brought into the presence of God by his grace, through his son, with his spirit dwelling in us, that all of a sudden, that prayer takes on a whole new light. If you talk to Randy today, he'll be the first one to tell you, I believe it was the prayers of his people that God answered that brought me here today. And I don't want to say, well, you know, and modern medicine. No, it was prayer. And as a believer, I believe that. And therefore, what a privilege it is for you and I to go to the feet of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. You probably know where we are. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And Jesus is going to teach us to pray because the disciples actually go to him and they say, Lord, will you teach us to pray? John taught his disciples how to pray, and we've been watching you pray. Mark chapter 1, Jesus is in the middle of this really, really busy week, and he's doing all these amazing things, and then early in the morning, he gets up, and he goes off by himself to pray. The disciples are looking for him because there's things to be done. There's events that need to happen. There are people that are asking where you are, and where are you, Jesus? And it's interesting that the word that says, and they were looking for him, is actually like a word that actually means with hostile intent. You know what I mean? When your spouse is looking for you, right? When you're looking for your children, you're not just looking. It's not you. It's not that. It's, hey, where are you? And the disciples are looking for Jesus, and he's off praying. And, and then you can tell there's some, there's, some, there's some heat in this. The English translations really don't pick this up. It, it says that when Peter finds Jesus, he exclaims, Almost like a rebuke. Hey, Jesus, why are you putting prayer in the middle of our busy week? Maybe that's why they say, will you teach us to pray? Will you teach us to pray? Will you help us understand why this is so important to you? And, and, and maybe it's a little bit of a preview for coming attractions where Jesus, on the night that he is betrayed, while everything is spinning out of control, and all during the arrests and the trials, he just seems to be so at peace. And maybe that comes from hours in the garden in prayer. Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And, and that's what this is. The Lord's Prayer that we look at literally gives us um, instruction on in how to pray. And what I love is, is that Jesus, contrary to what most of us, uh, what, what, what we tell one another and what we have been told, there are wrong ways to pray. A young lady was in my office. She was a college student. And uh, I was, we were just having just this normal conversation. And, and, and if you ever meet with me, one of the things I love to do when we're done kind of in, in my office talking is I say, hey, do you mind if we just pray before we go? I asked her if she wouldn't mind praying. Would you mind praying? And I, I don't know if she just never prayed in front of me before, but she just began to just slowly freak out. You want, you, you want me to What? Would you mind just praying? And I could tell she was nervous. And I said, oh, are you nervous because you don't want to pray in the wrong way? And she said, well, you can't pray in the wrong way. And I said, no, you can. Now, by the way, I'm not, you, you can pray anyway. But what I love is, is that even God is patient with, with us in terms of our prayers. But if I were to just pray, God, who I don't even know if you're there, and I don't even know if you're listening to me, that's not how Jesus tells us to pray. If we doubt in God's goodness or God's kindness, the Bible doesn't say that that's a good prayer. No, the Bible actually warns against praying with a double-minded, with, with doubt. Now, we've got to figure out what to do with that. But, and even here in our text, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus doesn't say, now, it really doesn't matter how you pray, guys, so just kind of look inside yourselves and just whatever you're thinking, just start saying even when we find ourselves in Israel, it's very interesting how in that part of the world they pray very different than we do. I remember being told that when we go up onto the Temple Mount, you're not allowed to pray. And most American people will say, how can they stop us? Prayer is just something that we do in our heads. That's not true in the Middle East. Now you can tell when someone's praying. 
Because prayer is something that takes the whole body. It literally consumes, and, and, and it's very seldom just like quiet. It's not just thinking thoughts. It, it's usually much more physical, much more verbal. So Jesus actually says, there's some wrong ways to pray. First of all, I want you to remember who you're praying to, and so you're not praying to attract a crowd. Um, those who were very religious in Jesus' day weren't so much talking to God as they were speaking in a way to impress everybody in front of them. And Jesus didn't say, well, that's one way to pray, and you don't want, I don't want to judge them. No, he judged them. Don't pray like them. Don't pray like them. Because that kind of prayer really isn't prayer. That kind of show is not prayer. And so in light of who God is, and in light of who you are, and in light of the work of God in you, don't pray like them. And he didn't even leave it there. He also said, there are others, the other pagan religions. They had a, their own way of praying. If you guys remember the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel, do you guys remember the story? And Elijah at Mount Carmel, while they're praying to Baal, they're actually like yelling and screaming and crying and cutting themselves. In, in the pagan world, the way that you show or pull at the heartstrings, show your brokenness, show your neediness, is that you really like heap um, lots of different words and lots of different sayings. Jesus says, don't babble like them. Don't pray like the pagans who believe that by their many words they can somehow arm twist the heavenly father. No, don't pray like the pagans and don't pray like the outwardly religious people. No, Jesus actually says, this is how you should pray. So not only are there wrong ways to pray, but there also is a right way to pray. Jesus says, pray in secret, which I don't think he means, and, and then no one should ever hear any of our prayers. That's not what he's saying, but he is definitely describing an attitude of heart that primarily, especially in, in, in many of the public prayers, that there was this, this David, or Daniel goes into um, a kind of a somewhat private place, although they know that he did this, and he faces Jerusalem and he prays. It's, it's not something to just be seen. It's not just something that's to be heard. It's just recognizing that there is a Heavenly Father who loves me and cares for me. There is someone who knows the circumstances that I am in and who cares about the circumstances that I am in, who wants to hear from me and who will respond to the words that I say. It's that kind of prayer. Pray in secret, Jesus says, and then the, the God who sees you in secret will reward you in secret. And so what a privilege it is for us that Jesus not only shows us the way to the Father, but then teaches us that while we're on that journey in the way, how we should pray. So all I want to do with our remaining time is to just look at the Lord's Prayer. Now I want to encourage you to use it as a model. When you are worried, when you are overjoyed, isn't that usually the case when, when, we're, when we're worried or when we're just overwhelmed, when we're, when we're really concerned, um, we can't focus like we need to on prayer? And when everything is going great and we're absolutely just ecstatic, we're also too distracted to find ourselves in need of prayer. And, and therefore, I, I think it's good that we 
find ourselves in a regular, habitual way. Praying before God and this prayer that Jesus offers, I think, leans us, leads us in the right direction. So Jesus begins this prayer. I'm sure you've heard it before. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Now, I don't know if you know the, the, the phrase our Father. For us, it's just kind of a normal idea. We hear that and we just think, well, yeah, God's our Father. But no, that's actually kind of a shocking statement. Now, although the Old Testament does have a number of places in which God is referred to as Israel's father, they, they see that far more as just almost strictly metaphorical to just walk into the presence of Almighty God, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh, Lord Almighty. You usually don't just cry out, our father, Abba, father, kind of a, a warm, tender, relational connection. And it's interesting that when Jesus does this, and we go, well, I know why he said it, because he is the Son of God. God is his Father. But then he says, no, when you pray, pray this way. Just think, what about your attitude about prayer would change if you were to truly understand and appreciate him as your Father? Again, I, I don't know, and I understand that it's, it's complicated whenever we use this particular descriptor of God. But I think we can all understand, maybe some easier than others, that, that what is best of a father, and God is the best of fathers, is someone who is not only willing and ready, but joyfully waiting for conversations. There's a story of a, of a son, and his dad had actually passed away, and so he just did what was responsible, and he was going to be taking care of his mom. And he's taking care of his mom, and taking care of his mom, and doing everything that needed to be done. And you know how just times get busy, and don't really have an opportunity. They lived actually really, really close to each other, but the times in which they spent were just fewer and fewer and far between. And that was mom's birthday, and son does the right thing, gets her a cake, gets her a dress, and a blue dress, and uh, literally just, hey, mom, here's a blue dress. I know you like blue dresses. What do you think? And the way that she said, thank you, son, he could tell something was wrong. You know when someone's trying to be kind or trying to be grateful, but you can tell they're not saying something? And, and finally, he says, mom, is it, is it not the right kind of dress? I, I'll get you something else. You don't want a dress? What, what can I get you, mom? What do you, what do you want? What do you need? And, and the mom finally just said to him, son, no, it's fine. Literally, the dress is fine. It, it's not that I don't like yours meaning your gift. It's not that I don't want yours. It's just that I want you. It's not that I don't want yours. It's just that I want you. Because your understanding of God, completely self-sufficient, he is. Completely self-sustaining, he is. From everlasting to everlasting, he is. So much of your Christian life, just getting God a blue dress and doing something else for him and doing something else for him and doing something else for him and doing something else for him. You know what we need to do for him and you know what we should do for him. And we got some things, by the way, in August that we're going to do for him. I got a lot of things that we're going to be doing for him. And we're gonna, we got some other things that we're going to be doing for him and some other things. And I just wonder sometimes if God isn't in heaven saying, it's not, listen, it's not that I 
It's not that I don't want yours. It's that I want you. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of heaven and earth, you can, by the grace of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished, by the now indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is in you, you can speak to the creator of the universe, the one who made everything out of nothing, and say, Father. Your name is kind of closely associated, obviously, with the idea of his character. And your name is holy. And it's amazing that this holy father is, in, in fact, ours. And then the next part, which I think trips us up, your kingdom come. When I, I talk with people about prayer, and, and I've had these thoughts in my own head, I promise you, a lot of the biggest concerns is, well, I don't know why I should ask him this. He already knows what he's going to do. Have you, many of you had that one? It doesn't even seem to really matter what I ask him because I don't think he's going to give it to me anyway. Heard that one, thought that one. But it's interesting that Jesus doesn't begin there. Jesus doesn't begin with our father. I want a new bike and I want an ice cream cone and I want a... No, the, the adjustment is not only upward, but the adjustment is actually one that then recognizes that everything comes from upward. Your kingdom. Now that's a radical shift and a radical realignment. If there's one thing I've learned in our series looking at the teachings of Christ and even the events of Christ is that every disciple in the Bible, and I would say disciples today, really, really struggle with agendas Jesus versus our agenda. And Jesus makes it very, very clear that when we pray, we are not praying for our kingdom We're not praying for what we want first. I would tell my boys when they would come to me, when you come to me and you have a request, I want to hear every request. Please allow me to remain your father. And you know what it's like when your child is asking you something, but they're actually telling you to do something they're not asking you? And how much of our prayers sound like that? Just think about the reorientation of your heart, the reorientation of your mind, the reorientation of your spirit, If we could, with great authenticity, say, Father, your kingdom, which, which, by the way, is the reign of God, the rule of God, which then leads to the peace of God and the care of God and the, the goodness of God, your kingdom come. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my plans. It's not about my events. It's not about my agenda. So often when I think about prayer, it is about our agenda. And Jesus says, no, when you begin, it's your kingdom come. And then immediately after that, what does it say? Your will be done. Have you ever wondered how Jesus was able to be in the garden and then to make such a bold statement? The cross is before him. Like literally, his own death is there. And he says, take this cross from me. And then he says exactly what he has been saying But it is about your kingdom coming, and that involves a cross. It is about your will being done, not my will being done. It's interesting. I I go back to this prayer when I have a brother or a sister in in, in, in kind of in in very difficult circumstances, in a a sinful way. They're, 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 They're living a life of sin, and one of the questions that I ask them is, like, how much are you praying through this particular struggle that you're having? 
I don't think I've ever had anyone say, you know, I'm praying a lot about this. No, most of them give something like this. I couldn't do that anymore. It just, I found it getting in the way. And I just decided that I needed to do this, that I needed to act like this, that I needed to feel like this, that I needed to, and prayer was just getting in the way, and it will. Just imagine how much of your life would begin to find peace and purpose when you go to your heavenly father and you are praying for his kingdom to be done and he is praying for his will to be done. Which, by the way, it doesn't just mean, here's what I love about those three statements. It doesn't just mean that, okay, so you're telling me I need to go to church and read my Bible and pray. No, what I love is, is that the kingdom of God is more than just coming to church. I believe that when you have the Lord's Prayer as a prayer that you pray regularly, then you get your home back and in a rightful way in which God is reigning and his will is being done in your marriage and in your relationships. Like you get the workplace back where it's not just a place where, well, we got to separate work from faith. No, now there is someone and their name, if you look on the, the plate on your desk, it's you. And God is now reigning in you and the kingdom now lives there and his will is being done in you and through you for the benefit of others and for your greatest joy. This does not limit the presence and the practice of God. This gives us all of our lives being understood as under his care and direction. As we go to the last part of this, it's very interesting that the the Lord's Prayer functions much like the Ten Commandments. The first ones focus on God, and the next ones then focus on our relationships with one another. And, and this prayer does the exact same thing. It begins with God and the great name of God and God's kingdom and God's will being done in the world. And then, then he wants to hear from us. Give us today our daily bread. Now, they ask for that because really that's about all they could handle. It's very, very difficult in that part of the world. If it wasn't daily, it would probably spoil. I love this reminder. I think one of the reasons why this just seems so empty is I'm trying to eat less, actually. I'm not trying to get more bread. I'm, I, or or I'm, I'm so capable, I've got enough food in my house that'll last for a while, or I've got enough bank, uh, money in my bank account to make sure that I could have food. Um, and so, by the way, I, I think it's good for us to realize, I think this is one of the reasons why most Christians pray over every meal. As a stop and as a reminder, this is a gift from God. But more than that, much more than that, that this is a reminder that God does care for our daily needs and that God does also provide for them. And I think there's a lot of us in this room that need to be reminded of the fact that we may be capable and we may be gifted and we may be able to use all these things to stockpile for ourselves a lot. But it is still by his hand and it is still for his glory and for his purposes. So what an opportunity to say, God, give us today our daily bread. He wants to hear you speak of the, of the easiest or the most simple or the most basic needs that you have. This is why the one part that we get right when we say pray any way that you want, I think it's good in prayer to learn how to speak and to learn how to ask. There are many things I've asked for in prayer, and by the time I'm done, the Lord is speaking to me and he is reminding me how I can ask for that thing in a better way. 
or how foolish or how limited those things are. And it is the Spirit moving. It is the Spirit speaking. It is God working in me as we are responding in this communication where I can begin to realize what I really need is this. I thought I needed this, but what I really need is this. What I thought I wanted was this, but what I really need is this. I wanted deliverance from all of these things, and now I'm asking for the ability to be patient and to endure through all of these things. And that comes about through regular prayer. And we're asking God for something as simple as bread. And and then he moves to one of the most interesting and one of the most um, uh, personal aspects here. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Two things. First of all, it's good to be in a regular pattern of being reminded of our brokenness and being in a constant state of repentance before God. And please remember that when we ask for his forgiveness... Because of his son and his plan and his purpose, he is open-handed with it. You don't have to try to pry it out. You don't have to sound like a pagan and babble and beg and plead and try to show God how sorry you are. No, be sorry and be repentant and be responsive. But remember that God is a gracious God and a loving God. And he so desires to give you the forgiveness that you so desperately need. Maybe one of the reasons why you're having a hard time forgiving yourself is because you have not gone through the regular and the repeated statement, God, forgive me. When my my sons would, would sin and we would be praying for forgiveness, I would strongly encourage them to pray and to verbalize the sin that they had committed. And so many of us are afraid to say it out loud. Say it. And allow the Holy Spirit to confirm in you the forgiveness and the goodness of God. And then remember that the Lord answers prayers. This is what I love about this prayer is that it reminds me that I'm not in it alone. Our Father, so it's us. And then it reminds me that I'm not in it alone. Jesus makes this pretty bold statement and he does it right here in prayer. Be very, very careful asking God to forgive you when you're holding on to a grudge. Be very, very um, cautious in the presumptiveness that you have if you're uh, someone who holds on to bitterness or holds on to memories or holds on to experiences. Just remember that those things will actually get in the way of your relationship with God. Maybe one of the reasons why some of us don't pray well is because we don't relate well to others. We don't forgive well. We don't, we don't seek to reconcile relationships. So no wonder it's hard for you to talk to a reconciling God. Jesus actually says, before you go to worship at the altar, make sure that you're in good relationship with those around you. Maybe before you pray, you need to seek someone out and ask forgiveness so that next time you go before God, you can know, I am at peace with, so I am at peace with. And then lastly, Jesus wants us to know that we're not in this by ourselves. And not only is God over us, but there is an enemy around us. And I love that this prayer then invites us to be actively, or invites God to be actively involved in our lives when it comes to temptation and evil. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some just say evil. And in that, we have to admit, not only that we're helpless, but that our enemy and that our temptations are greater than us. 
it's a constant reminder that I'm, I'm not here just to, to buck up. I'm, I'm not just here to push through. But I am here by the strength of God. I'm here by the indwelling of his spirit. I'm here because of an ongoing relationship that I have with a very real God. And that relationship is so real, I talk with him every day. Every day. What do you talk about? Lots of things. I begin by focusing on how great he is, and I begin to focus on just all that he has done. And then I remember to ask him every little tiny thing. And then I make sure that my relationship with others and my relationship with him, that those actually fit hand in glove. And then I invite him, not just to watch over me, not not just to look out for me, but to give me the strength to resist temptation, to give me the ability and the strength by his Holy Spirit to be victorious over the evil one. This is how Jesus taught people to pray. And I was thinking about just how important that prayer was for Jesus' ministry. Hold these in your hands. And I want you to think about the Lord's Prayer in light of the cross. I want you to think about the Lord's Prayer in light of what Jesus did and what Jesus accomplished for us. And it is amazing how the Lord's Prayer gives us such a clear picture of the heart of God and the love of God and the goodness of God and the plan of God that you just can't observe this without thinking about the cross. And you can't observe this without thinking about what Jesus tells us to pray about. Our Father, who brings us together, your kingdom come as he reigns in us. Your will be done. That's because the Holy Spirit now lives in us. Let me get a little Catholic on you. Give us our daily bread. (laughs) Forgive us. God, would you deliver us from the evil one? And all of the answers to those prayers in the Lord's Supper are yes. So let us eat the yes of God. And let us drink the yes of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness to us for your kindness and your mercy. Thank you for your spirit that dwells. Thank you for hearing our prayers and responding. For you alone, you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen.